You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve. And I'm Matt. And we're a VHS podcast that looks at the box art trailers and behind the scenes. And this is number two in Matt's Noir. No, how do we say this? Noirch? Noirch. Yes. Number two in Noirch is uh, our Noir March, of course, is Eyes of Laura Mars. Her world, sensual, dazzling. His world, dangerous. Drawn by a mystery, their lives converge. Fade Dunaway, Tommy Lee Jones, Eyes of Laura Mars. A thrilling vision of romance and terror. Rated R. Starts Friday at Phipps Penthouse. Woo! Okay, um, this is a thriller. Or, you know what? Is this a giallo film? I think it's a giallo film. I think this one's fun because it has noir elements, giallo elements, and just, you know, 70s thriller elements. It has it all. Maybe we can call this a New York giallo film. Yes. It's a very American giallo film. It's not, you know, you have like the black glove killer that you see through the perspective or whatever, but it's, it isn't, it doesn't feel very European. It feels very American, which is fun. It's yeah. a different style. Yeah. It's, I mean, the, uh, I don't know if you mentioned this, but the POV shots, right when that was happening and I go, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and uh, what a what a fun fun plot, you know, to use that giallo like through the perspective. The movie's called Eyes of Laura Mars. I'll go into the plot when I read the back or whatever. But like, they literally utilize the seeing through the killer's eyes in the plot of this movie. Well, and another thing I think they utilize well in this film is Faye Dunaway's eyes. Yeah, because she's so specific of yeah. a look, especially in this time at this in the. Uh, mid late 70s like right after chinatown and stuff like that she's Mm -hmm. top of her game you know like the the iconic look that she has at this time what man directed chinatown i hear he's a good guy ew gross (laughs) you can you can hear me talk all about chinatown on my af high list podcast and just listen to me shit all over it roman polanski (laughs) oh yeah Oh, yeah, I would actually love to hear you shit on Roman Polanski high. Like, yeah, it's pretty hilarious. Yeah. It's a good episode. I recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but about this podcast that we're talking about now, uh, have you ever seen this one before? Nope, never knew it existed. See, I, I had seen this one when I went on my journey through Carpenter, John mm-hmm. Carpenter. Um, I did that a couple years ago, and I watched everything that he either wrote or directed, so anything he kind of had a stamp on. I watched a couple of the movies he produced only, but those aren't the same. They don't have the same flavor. Uh, this one is early John Carpenter. He wrote the script for this one. Uh, well, he wrote the treatment. Well, he wrote the story, and he gets uh, co-screenplay yeah. credit for it. Mostly. Uh, I actually found out this morning, most of the, John Carpenter doesn't like this film, and um, most of this, he they rewrote. That's hilarious. Yeah, um, yeah no. I didn't know that, though, until literally... Maybe half an hour before, <laughs> maybe a little bit more. I don't know. Sunday mornings is kind of just like a, 
like uh, research time. Yeah, I'm 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 half awake, half reading. I don't know whatever you want to call it. I'm like in a dreamscape. Nice, nice. Yeah. Like like this movie, a little yeah. hazy, a little uh, dreamlike. Yeah. Now, see, I thought this was interesting. Um, I hate soft lighting, and I know you do. I do. And I was surprised when you gave this film to me and I started watching it and a lot of it is in soft lighting. 70s soft lighting, which I just hate. Me too. Uh, I really do hate soft lit films, especially ones that are soft lit sort of throughout where mm-hmm. there's kind of no edge to it. Um, but this one, I just feel like isn't as soft as the ones when I think that I hate, you know, those movies mm-hmm. that are super soft. This one's not as soft, but it does definitely does fall in that category of a soft lit 70s thriller. Yeah, it would have been fine if it just would have been the POV shots of the killer, but I just don't know why they took it into like the non-killer scenes. Yeah. You know, I it's... think I think if you just would have had that divided, I wouldn't have minded it at all. But then there's a couple where we see Faye Dunaway, Laura Mars, like shooting her models and everything. And I'm like, come on, get rid of the soft lighting. I actually want to see the film. <laughs> yeah, I, I have that problem too. I, I, I didn't mind it in this movie, but I, I hate soft lit movies. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's why I don't like uh, like Carrie as much, because that whole movie is soft lit. And I, I get that it's a classic. I get why people like it, but it's too soft lit throughout the whole thing that it distracts me. <laughs> Yeah, 70s aesthetics, um, aesthetic in the films. Uh, one of them I hate in the soft lighting and the grindhouse look I love. It's yeah. a total different. It's yeah. so dramatic. Uh, and the, the person who brought us the you know, look of this movie is uh, Irvin Kirshner, who mm-hmm. would go on to do uh, two sequels that we that our listeners probably know, one being one of the greatest movies of all time, Empire Strikes Back, and the other being, unfortunately, RoboCop 2. <laughs> I still like RoboCop 2. I, I like I RoboCop. I gently like RoboCop 2. Well, Irvin Kershner to me is uh, a lot of... Uh, either his films I like or his films I don't like. I, I feel like I'm coming to that realization. I don't mind the James Bond film he did, Never Say Never Again. Uh, I know you're not a big James Bond fan, or at least you haven't watched many of them. Yeah, I've never seen that one. I think that was the last one with Sean Connery. Mm. Uh, you know, I I watched it. I remember kind of enjoying it, but it's not like something I rewatch all the time. Empire Strike Back, you know, I love. It's one of the greatest films. Probably the greatest sci-fi film of all time. Uh, you could have an argument for a few of them. Terminator 2. Yeah, Terminator 2 would probably be mine yeah. with like a second being maybe RoboCop and then yeah. the third being Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> but then Kirshner's got a couple movies I don't like at all. And we don't really have to get into him, but uh, it's just, he's... I The one thing I like about him is he takes risk. Yeah, and he has he brings a certain level of style to each of his movies. Every movie he does is pretty stylized. But the thing that's weird about him, and probably because he's more just a a, a working man director, they're different styles mm-hmm. for each movie. It's like Empire Strikes Back looks nothing like RoboCop 2, which looks nothing like this movie. Each one has a style and a distinct style, but it's different for each film. Now, um, did he do Last Temptation of Christ? No, I thought that was Scorsese. Is that Scorsese? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, I, I think don't so watch too. any Christ movies. Well, I was trying to think. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I fell asleep during that movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just, I even if it's Scorsese, if it's somebody that I love, if it's a religious movie like that, I'm just like, I'm good. I, just, I don't need to. I remember in college going through all the, I'm doing air quotes here, classics that you have to watch, mm-hmm. so to speak. And Last Temptation of Christ went up, and I remember renting it 
my roommate's looking at me like, why did you write Last Temptation of Christ from Best from Blockbuster? I was like, I don't know. It's a classic. I got to watch it. Boom. Fell asleep. Never yeah. rewatched it. <laughs> That'd probably be where I'd be at. Even even today where I, it's like today where I can tune out stuff more and like just like ignore it if I don't like it or whatever. I think it would still put me to sleep, though, <laughs> even if I was ignoring it. I'm pretty sure Chinatown would put me to sleep now. I've seen it. Got it. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. It's like, I get it. Yeah. I get it. There's some stuff in there I really like, but like, it's one of the on. greatest movies of all time, man. Steve. <laughs> it's like, no, no. Um. All right, back to back to Laura Mars. Um. Let's. Oh, I guess I. I did I say I'd seen it? <laughs> did I even cover that? I don't know. Who I've cares? seen this movie. I picked this movie because I had seen it last week's Eight Millimeter. I had not seen this one. I did see, so I wanted to mix it up with ones that I hadn't hadn't seen. Tell them about the best part about this movie, in my opinion, the front. Yeah, the cover is pretty incredible, and it is the poster for the movie. It is uh, Faye Dunaway. Tommy Lee Jones is in this as well, mm-hmm. and it says uh, "Eyes of Laura Mars." That's it. No tagline. No critic quote and it's a black cover with faye dunaway's face in shadows but the only thing illuminated are her eyes which are just white illuminated so it's just like stark black a little bit of gray and then white uh, yeah it's great it's a great cover and that's it and, and some jackass put the the price tag right on the title i was like you jerk. yeah and i can't get it off either without it being sticky and i hate when the covers are sticky so yeah. <laughs> it's gonna remain there right over the title um flipping it over to the back here this is what it's about if you don't know um this riveting tale of murder and suspense stars faye dunaway as laura mars new york's most controversial fashion photographer World-renowned for her sensational erotic portrait of models and settings of glorified urban violence, Laura Mars exhibits a mystifying psychic ability. In her mind's eye, as if, th- as if through the lens of her camera, she witnesses a series of bizarre murderers, murders with terrifying clarity. All of the victims are people Laura has known. Police detective John Neville, Tommy Lee Jones, discovers a striking similarity between Laura's works and classified police photographs of the murders, and he attempts to unravel the events which have taken control of Laura's mind. The film builds to a spine-chilling climax when Eyes of Laura Mars reveals the identity of the killer. Okay, I just got some more tea. And uh, I, I like the description. I, I would be sort of interested in that. And my cat is, apparently, too. You can't hear her. <laughs> um, She's a big fan of 70s films, and they, her and I get into a lot of arguments. Yes, yeah. She really she likes the 70s soft movies and things like that. It's, I mean, well, she's a 16-year-old cat. You know, she's got her eyes need a little help. It's a little gentle. It's yeah, gentle. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but then we, we said that it has a uh, story and co-screenplay credit by john carpenter urban kirshner directed john peters produced it <laughs> and um the theme for the movie eyes of laura mars uh parentheses prisoner is sung by barbara streisand yeah and a seven million dollar budget and it did make its money back this was a moderate hit 20 million so more than doubled it almost tripled good for them that's I mean, hey, you know what? I think Carpenter did another movie this year that did uh, pretty good, too. Yeah, right. This was the year of Halloween that this came out. And that made a kabillion jillion dollars. It made, in fact, we had to money 
names. We had to come up with something new names else. for yes. the money that yes. that movie made. And not at first, still, though. Not at first, no. though. But uh, over time, <laughs> do you imagine just getting like one penny for every unit of that movie sold? <laughs> oh God! And think of all those re-releases and things. Yeah, that that's what I'm talking about. Oh, I was just God. like, oh. Oh, do you remember when Blockbuster came out with a bunch of releases of classics? Yeah, and yeah. everybody had the Halloween one. Yeah, the Halloween I've got Blockbuster. It on my shelf right back there. I yeah. I had it too, and I sold it because I got. <gasps> How could you? Well, I got the media, the original uh, right. Halloween, and I just wanted to get rid of the '90s Blockbuster one and keep the OG original. Yeah, I get it. Um, but yeah, this was a, uh, this was um, I would call it still kind of a sleeper people generally like this movie i think but it not many people have seen it yeah it kind of it's it's faded um i why so i just went to box office mojo (laughs) to get like what else was in the theater i looked it up earlier and it just gave us uh, august 2nd through the 4th of 1991 oh okay that's not what we're looking for here Well, we couldn't find out anything on the box office mojo because apparently they started in 1980. <laughs> yeah, with the highest grossing film being Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> yeah, which is so fun. it's all connected. Yeah. We're all connected. Uh, some of the, one of the stars that was in this film that I just kind of almost flew out of my seat was Raul Julia when he plays Laura Mars's ex-husband and alcoholic writer that doesn't write. Yeah, just this this is a slime ball, but he's so good in this movie. He's got to be one of the biggest red herrings in this. Yes, absolutely. Also, just like Raul Julia, it's like a shame that we lost him because I can't think of a bad Raul Julia performance. You know what I mean? Like even in the worst movies, I'm talking about Street Fighter. Yeah, I was like, um, he's he's coming. incredible. He's incredible in that movie. Um, so and he was dying. Yeah, and he's still giving. 1000 percent in that movie it's yeah. great i love raul julia i'm so i'm so glad he was in this we also get an early brad dorf appearance as well mm-hmm. and he's obviously another red herring and he was good uh he always gets these characters though i knew it as soon as he was on screen i go well he's gonna get shit on yeah he's like the driver for her he's like the chauffeur the, the ex-con driver yes of uh laura mars and he is um he's he's coming off of like cuckoo's nest at this point he's got an oscar nomination and he's like kind of playing this part which i think is fun like that you know a couple of years after getting well, the oscar I nom mean, he's playing laura mars's driver in this like going, moderate thriller going through his movies does he have many leading man movies i don't think he does no think, no yeah. it's just this is it this seems like a pre-oscar choice though for you know for somebody even doesn't have to be a yeah. lead but it's pretty thankless part he's great in it but yeah. it seems like something that uh, oscar now wouldn't take but he did and he's great and he makes it he makes the part his own yeah i guess going through faye dunaway plays laura mars and she's like a controversial um photographer like she does a lot of sex and violence in yep. her uh, photography and I thought this film was interesting how they open up where she's doing her giant shoot and she meets Tommy Lee Jones, which is a detective. Yes. And how he's like, oh, I'd like to meet this Laura Mars because I want to see why she's so fucked up. That is tragic. Absolutely tragic. You really think so? Yes, I think it's really uh, tragic that this is the kind of junk that's passing for art these days. Oh, that, that, that's a completely different conversation. Don't you think it's a total hype? I don't understand. Hype, hustle, rip-off. Are you a critic? No. 
Do you know the artist? What's her name? Laura Moss. Yeah. I know her fairly well. Well, if you see her, will you point her out to me? Because I'd really be interested to find out what kind of frustrated boy your type this chick really is. She's nothing like that at all, really. She's very old-fashioned. Sort of like Grandma Moses. Laura. Excuse me. Could I steer you away for a moment? Are you her? This stuff is really disgraceful, don't you think? Yeah. And and he's talking to her. (laughs) Uh... We gotta address before we get any further than Tommy Lee Jones. We have to talk about his unibrow because it is mm-hmm. fantastic in this movie. <laughs> it is the star. The star of Eyes of Laura Mars is Tommy Lee Jones's unibrow. Well, so watching this film, I could not figure out if he's attractive, you know, a handsome man. Because I, I kept looking and I go, "Well, he's he's thin. He's got the nice jawline. He's got that that kind of like thousand yard stare going." But I kept looking at him. I go, I don't know. He, he just not. He doesn't look like a handsome guy. <laughs> it's I. I literally. I, this is the second time I had seen this movie. Um, and this time I was really paying attention to it because I knew he had the crazy, uh, Cro Magnon, uh, you know, big forehead and unibrow thing going on. So I was paying attention to it, and yeah, like from the side. He's like a really good looking guy, but yeah. then when they do the front on shots, you're like, ooh. You're kind of fucking weird looking. You need to grow into your face still a little. <laughs> I think Tommy Lee Jones just plays the good tough guy, but he's certainly not handsome. Yeah, he. If, but from the side, I could see it. Like yeah. when they would do the side profiles of him, I'm like, yeah, he's like a he's a good looking leading man. And then they show him from the front, be like, man, he's fucking weird looking. <laughs> if we shoot him from the side with a little bit of haze, yeah, there we go. We can trick him. He looks like Robert Redford. <laughs> he, and then when he turns, you're like, ooh, oh, ooh, okay, <laughs> caveman. <laughs> uh, I think Tommy Lee Jones grew into like a good looking yeah. older man, but uh, like as this young guy he's yeah a little weird looking <laughs> uh, come to analog jones where we body shame men yes it's of course that's what we have to do <laughs> we have to e- equally uh playing field here yeah. um but if i mean well and again and, and some people might or some people might really disagree with me i don't find faye dunaway attractive so i was like these two leading people i was like eh I don't hear my thing with Faye Dunaway is I don't find her attractive for like my personal, I guess, taste or whatever, but I can tell she's like stunning. You know what I mean? Like she's a star. Yeah. She has. Oh, well, her eyes. Yeah. yeah. She has, she, she has a look and a striking <laughs> look and she's a star, but it's not my type. The entire, a lot of times during this film, I was like, man, I wonder what their child would look like. <laughs> <laughs> I was like a unibrow with like stunning eyes and then like uh, just a weird looking face <laughs> a caveman face yeah yeah i would love to see like the 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 morph for the like if they made it thing that like conan used to do with them too but in this movie together what that kid would look like <laughs> yeah um, oh please yeah. do that <laughs> someone out there <laughs> But uh, this and this movie starts you right off too with like you said that opening scene of like Tommy Lee Jones trying to figure out what's going on with the murders, um, and, and like that you get the the plot of basically like she's taking pictures and they look like murder scenes and then she starts to realize she is seeing them, 
Yeah. And um, they were really making, f- oh man, the press in here where they're just like, are you a bullshit artist? <laughs> where they kept asking her if this was just a fad. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't, has photography ever been a fad? I mean, maybe the certain type of photography? I, I, what would you call this photography? Like shock? Yeah, it's definitely shock photography, but they're, you know, she's an artist or whatever. I feel like, I feel like it's hard to say if it's like a fad or not because the, the artist isn't trying to create the fad. The public who is taking, you know, looking at it is making it. So if she's just doing this as her work, then like, why would the press be asking her, is this a fad? Because she's like, this is just what I do. (laughs) Yeah, I guess they're just trying to drum up controversy. Uh, I just, and then apparently someone dies during her show, and that's kind of what starts this Faye Dunaway or Laura Mars like feeling bad about her work. Right. And yeah, and then she starts to see this stuff and she's freaking out about it. And of course, nobody believes her. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, you were talking about New York cops. They're like, get out of here, lady. <laughs> I know. These cops are bad. These are just <laughs> bad cops. Because at one point, when Brad Dwarf is a red herring and they go after him, I mean, he did stab a cop, so he's a dumbass. But uh, they're just like, blowing they're just shooting their guns everywhere yeah in the middle fucking traffic at yeah. one point i'm like these There's cops a, are awful they like chase him for a while and then yeah they just shoot him and yeah brad dorf doesn't make it to the end guys <laughs> yeah a spoiler um but uh, he's yeah. he's sort of the you know raul julia is kind of the fun slimy red herring but i feel like brad dorf is like the real red herring because you don't know until the last like five minutes of this movie who the killer really is yeah, it's something I I don't like the ending of this film. Um, but when we get to it, I, I just I just kind of was like weird. I I like it because I well I mean I'll just spoil it now because you guys if you're gonna watch it you're you're gonna get spoilers anyway or whatever. Tommy Lee Jones is the killer, um, and <laughs> I like him being the killer because he never gets to play that role though, and he was having kind of fun with it at the end. I just don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any, like, a lick of sense why he is the one that, like, unless he wants to get caught. I don't know. But it doesn't make any sense why he... I, I would love to hear Carpenter's original ending. Yeah, it probably is Brad Dorf at that point. You know, like, just a normal, you know, this movie feels like it's trying to force a twist on the audience because it is in the last oh, yeah, I, five minutes of the movie. It's so forced, that's why it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and it doesn't make like, huh? any sense, but it is fun to, like, watch Tommy Lee Jones be crazy for five minutes because I'm no. so used to him playing stone-faced. Uh, I'll be honest, he played crazy well. Yeah, this was fun. It was fun to watch him chew scenery in the last five minutes. <laughs> Faye Dunaway played a startled woman throughout this entire film really well. Uh, it's it's something that's been done a hundred thousand times. So I was a little annoyed at that. But it's seventy eight. What am I? Come on. Yeah, I mean, I think she's kind of a she's you know when she's strong about her work and stuff like that. So I mean, she's stronger. But yeah, it's it's just the, she spends most of the time falling in love with Tommy Jones, Tommy Lee Jones, um, and yeah, being shocked at the kills that are happening. Yeah. So I one thing in this movie I find really cool is when she like goes into this trance and she sees the killer committing the kill, you know, in the in the POV shots. I love how she can't see. Yeah, it blocks out her vision, and she's suddenly just seeing them. And, you yeah, know, which is like a cool explanation too, because in other movies they just you're just supposed to buy it, and you're like, 
can she see or like you know this one like literally explains it it's like she is whited out and she can only see the killer as far as i know is we never get an explanation why she has like psychic powers we know we never get any no it did never and i like i actually I, like i actually that. don't have a problem with it um it's just this movie's so long i thought maybe they're gonna try to explain it i don't, I don't know i just got to the end i go oh we're not gonna explain that i'm fine with that i whatever if, if the ending would have been better to me this film would have I never even would have questioned it. Yeah, um, I, I, I like that it's never sort of explained, uh, but I, I would imagine then, now that the killer is done, that it would go away, I'm I, assuming. I, I thought at one point, I was like, okay, she's going to have like a twin, and her twin's killing all of them, and that's how the psychic link yeah explained yeah. but no <laughs> yeah that's like sort of the de palma route i think yeah. <laughs> and this movie is clearly doing a de palma thing you know it's it, it with the american giallo that's sort of a genre that de palma created with his early 80s late 70s work but mm-hmm. uh, um this is definitely falling in line with those movies one of my favorite scenes in this is when brad dwarf his character, um, which what was his character's name? Tommy uh, is getting questioned by the cops. They're like, what are you doing with this knife, Tommy? He's like, I don't know. I like to, you know, cut things that are open. <laughs> or, you know, like cut things that get them open. I don't know. He was bullshitting his way, and he's so tense. Yeah. What about this? That's legal. Yeah, I know it's legal. Why do you carry it? rope and shit yeah i know you probably just uh you probably just carry it to uh protect miss mars's fancy expensive camera equipment you know maybe protect her from some creeps right you're the man this whole city's full of creeps right really this uh which creeps uh, rest record i have here and I don't. At that point, we didn't know he was an ex-con. I was like, "Dude, what's your problem? You didn't do anything." Yeah, he's he's good in this movie, man. He's good. He's, he's good really fun that. to watch. He's good, he's in, good everything. in everything. Yeah, it's... Uh, and one of one of my favorite early scenes in the movie is when uh, Raul Julia is with his, uh, I guess, current girlfriend or whatever, and he's watching. Of tv and laura is on tv and he's just being like the grossest human in the world just like drunk and like forcing himself onto his girlfriend while watching his ex on tv she's still beautiful isn't she that's the problem oh come on let go of me let go of me you pig no 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 it was a great slimy moment. <laughs> yeah, didn't he say something? He's like, you know what her problem is? Is she's still beautiful? And I was trying to go, yeah. wait, why is that a problem? What? <laughs> He's so good in this movie. Yeah, the two, those two character actor guys, Raul Julia and Brad Dorf, are quite good in this. I couldn't figure out uh, Rose or whoever it was, Ellen. I don't know who it was that um, Raul Julia was, you know, staying with and you know, basically just leeching off of. Because that's what his character yeah, is. Yeah, he's just a leech, yeah. I was like, was that her agent? I don't know. Oh, I... no, no. Her agent's played uh, by... Oh, I cannot remember this guy's name, but he's awesome. The the guy with the great hair? Yeah. <laughs> uh, here yeah. he is. Renee... Um... 
What would that be? Uber I've heard Jonas? his name. Yeah, I've heard his name pronounced. And I can't. I'm not even gonna. Yeah, Uber we'll, Jonas. Yeah, I, we'll we'll go with that. Um, but he's great in this film. He's another just like given a big fun performance, and his hair is the best hair in yeah. this movie. It's the perfect like male Farrah Fawcett hair. <laughs> and a lot of people will remember him. If there's any Star Trek fans listening out there, he's in Deep Space Nine. He played Odo. Yeah, that's he's he's another like. Oh, he's a character. He's he works. And I feel like he's like kind of like because of Star Trek and stuff, like kind of like a convention staple too. Like you know, he he shows up and to stuff. He's like a fan. He's like a like a like the Doctor Who guys. They yeah, show up yeah. at cons and, you know. And they're, they're always going to get a lot of autographs. Yeah. So the, Star yeah, Trek case. and Doctor Who's got some hardcore fans. Yeah. Absolutely. Really. <laughs> so all the all of her friends end up just dying on her. Her her whatever this woman is. I don't know. Let's just say that, like, she basically, like, books her shoots. Yeah. Uh, and then we have her agent. Uh, we have some models that she uses, which, by the way, because this is a Giallo film, they have to be running around backstage nude. Yeah, there's always, always, always the topless behind-the-scenes moment in this movie. And I noticed the brunette. Every time she was topless, she, like, poses right in front of the camera. Like, <laughs> not only, you really like to be nude, and you want to be front and center, because every shot she was in, she's like, where can I position myself? Oh, look at the boobies. Look at the boobies, camera. They they must have had some good money for, like, the models in this movie, because usually in these types of movies, the models are, how do I say it? They probably got them very cheap. <laughs> These models, however, look like models. You know what I mean? No, these are very, these are probably yeah. professional models. This isn't like a Roger Corman movie where the models are just like strippers they got at yeah. the you know at a discount rate or whatever. <laughs> well, I, some of them pulled it off. Some of them were like changing clothes really fast. So when you saw that topless, you're like, okay, that seems normal. Um, I feel kind of scummy being the you know the Donald Trump looking back in the back <laughs> right, scenes. right, with the POV but, of the behind the scenes. Yeah. <laughs> but the brunette, I was like, no, no, honey, you you really like to show up. She's a star. What yeah. can I say? <laughs> but the blonde, uh, who Brad Dwarf has a crush on, Tommy has a crush on. Um, I felt so bad when she died. I I really like. She just seemed like a nice person who knew some ex-con had a crush on her and. He stole the flowers to give to her, and I was like, I, I just, I, why did she have to die? She didn't, neither of these models did anything bad. I think, well, one of the things I like about this movie is I think the deaths are, you You miss the characters. Like, you're bummed out when Tommy dies. You're bummed out when yep. the agent dies, because he's great at chewing scenery, and you yeah. don't want to lose that. But, uh, like, when they, when you lose some of the main characters like that, like, it actually is effective in this movie. You, it, they're not just fodder to be killed. No, and when the agent dies, he's dressed up as Lorimar's, right? So, to trick the press? Yeah, yeah, they're doing, like, a press thing, yeah. What I do love about him is he never changes out of his Laura Mars uh, costume. He just goes to the grocery store, gets his groceries, comes <laughs> back, and then dies. And I was like, no, I knew you would die, but no. Yeah, it's, like, it's it's effective in this movie. Like, the all of the deaths, I think. Um, like, yeah. and, and, um... This one also has an appearance of the rec- the very recently deceased uh, uh, Frank Adonis, the 
legendary like Italian mobster Kai character actor is in this movie too. Yeah. It's there's a lot of people who show up in this and you you're gonna go, I know who that is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's I liked I, I liked and I and I told you this like I liked all the acting, I liked all the characters, but when I put it into a blender, I didn't like this film. See, and I love this movie. I've only this is only the second time I've seen it. Um the first time I saw it, it was after I just randomly I think I was at a screening of something in town and they had played a bunch of older trailers before mm-hmm. the movie they were showing and they showed Eyes of Laura Mars. And I was like, I have to see that. <laughs> that if you guys haven't seen the trailer, watch the trailer, it'll hook you. Um and then and then I rented it from Netflix when I had the mail in service at the time and watched it. Loved it. And then when I found this VHS for a dollar, I didn't even question it. I was just like, mine. <laughs> um yeah, I I I think it all works for me here. Okay, let's let's skip to the end here and really can you in your best judgment explain to me what they were trying to do like as in what tommy lee jones's motivation was or the script anything i don't know tell me because it gets to the end and tommy lee jones is like oh yeah i've been killing then he goes into a trance staring at a mirror stabs the mirror and then walks to Laura Mars as she holds a gun to his abdomen. He says, do it, do it. And then I don't know if he pulls the trigger, she pulls the trigger. Somehow I get shot and the movie's over. And I was like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> yeah, Tommy Lee Jones is crazy in this movie. Um, I think what they're trying to do with the mirror thing is, is sort of explain the psychic thing. Like, he... He is seeing himself, so that maybe is like what the projected self that she is seeing type thing. I think that's kind of what they're trying to do with that. And then, yeah, I think he, in realizing that he got, basically got away with it because Brad Dorf is, is killed and thought to be the killer at that time, um, he got away with it, and I think it's a bit of guilt because they had basically fallen in love over the course of the movie as they've been investigating the murders and so when he sees his projected self or whatever in the mirror he just wants to die i guess but that's very convoluted that's extraordinarily convoluted i'm not defending the ending in any way except for tommy lee jones performance in the end when he's being crazy that's wonderful yeah, I, I mentioned before I wanted it to be like a twin or something like that. And then also at the end, I was like, well, I think it would have been actually cool if she actually was killing all of them. Or, yeah, it just was revealed that she didn't realize she was doing it type thing. No, and then all the shots that we saw when she witnessed it would have just been her making it up in her mind. Where she was Filling actually... in the gaps type yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been interesting. But yeah. we didn't get that. We got Tommy Lee Jones being crazy and yelling at himself. Yeah, and I think it would have been cool instead of the serial killer being a white male, it would have been a white female. Right. I just think that would have been interesting. Yeah. And uh, I guess I'll never know, or we'll never know what the original idea was, because I'm not going to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> Research. Nope, did enough. No, thank you. Uh, so it's got a decent amount of following. It's got a 48% on Rotten Tomatoes. I know some people kind of follow this they like it um of course faye dunaway is kind of just a completely interesting person yeah all in all i mean she hated roman pulaski except now she claims that she likes him 
Weird. <laughs> yeah, like in the late nineties she did a complete one eighty that everyone was like, No, you said you fucking hated him. He was the worst on set and she's like, Yeah, but the only thing that matters is the result. It was a great movie and uh he wasn't that bad and I loved working with him and everyone's like what? <laughs> now is not the time to say that. <laughs> yeah, this is over, you know, yeah, 20 yeah. years ago. But so. still. Maybe now she'd be like, oh, he was a dirtbag. <laughs> yeah, right. I was right all along. <laughs> and this movie was shot in New York and New Jersey, so I don't know if uh, it was kind of fucking obvious. <laughs> uh, maybe they could have done some of this in Toronto and saved us some money, but I'm glad they did it in New York. It was kind of interesting. The, the outdoor scenes, especially like the the one big production shoot that's outdoors, is so New York. Yeah. The one part where, oh, was it was it the agent who was running? No, maybe the cops were running. And then all the trash are out in the streets. And I go, yeah, it's New York. There's New York. I <laughs> love it. <laughs> so gross. <laughs> oh, I love Chicago alleys. That's where we put our trash. We hide it. Yeah, we hide it. It's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's still there though. And there's rats still everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't shoot them. I, I, my, uh, the owner of this building one time was joking about that. He's like, Oh, I'd pay someone to sit out there with the 22 and just shoot them. <laughs> and then someone got really upset. Like that's illegal. Why would you kill those animals? <laughs> and everyone's like one, calm down. It was clearly a joke. And two, you can go out there and defend the rats. And no one's stopping you. <laughs> Oh, the the rats of Chicago. They're, they're, it's not as bad as New York. No. If you're not from Chicago, it's really not that bad. They our just rats, hang out in the trash cans. Our rats don't travel around with pizza. They're not celebrities like they are in New York. Right. And like, yeah, you you really don't see them that much. If you're fucking no, around you in a dump, If you're fucking around in a dumpster after midnight, yeah, you're going to see a rat, but like the dumpster's not like next to your apartment. It's got enough distance. You're good. You don't have to fucking with them <laughs> all right i guess we got to the oh by the way george lucas the whole reason he hired kirshner according to him even though it wasn't kirshner in uh ufc ufc shit <laughs> usc usc uh, wasn't kirshner a, a teacher there yeah kirshner was lucas's teacher and yeah. he wanted to work with him but i think it i think he wasn't still impressed by this yeah. movie and was like well i you know, he knew him already because he was his teacher, but like saw this movie and was like, I think you could do a Star War. <laughs> I think it's so interesting to watch this American Giallo film. But I mean, he didn't see the entire film. This is what I love from what I read is he saw the uh, first like the rough, maybe cut. rough cuts of it put together. And he's just like, oh, that's how I want my Empire Strikes Back to look. And it looks nothing like. Yeah, I'm like, what? <laughs> Uh, but it was a great choice because you made the best Star Wars, so it was it was a good not, choice. Not at the time; it grew into the best Star Wars. I've I mean, always loved it. <laughs> it, it was kind of like the thing. Yeah, it's just for some reason when it first came out, people didn't get it. But people man, weren't, weren't like, it's not like the first one. <laughs> oh, change is hard, folks. Change is hard. <laughs> uh, so that's really all I have for this film. There's not much on it. Uh, maybe we could talk about Faye Dunaway's ridiculous performance a couple years after this. In um, I almost said Mama Mia, Mama dear, um, Mommy dearest, Mommy dearest. She's that movie. Her performance scares me. <laughs> Next level shit in that one. That's that's a wonderful midnight movie. That is, cr- she is terrifying. <laughs> yeah, she's great. She's yeah, no, great in that movie. Uh, a, a aging actress who's fucking crazy 
which kind of Faye Dunaway kind of turned into. Yeah, she had a, she had a little bit of a a, a a phase where people didn't want to work with her anymore, type thing. No. She had a hard ass phase for sure. Well, and then she did um, Supergirl mm. a couple years, maybe four years after this film, and that is weird. I never seen that movie, but I've seen that trailer a hundred times before because they always play it in midnight movies. It's... The trailer for uh supergirl but i've never seen the movie uh, the movie's bad i don't like any of the superman movies so. no but this is like next level bad. i probably would like this one then it's definitely written by white males who are just like what would supergirl want she would want to fall in love because that's all girls want remember just just wait until we eventually get the supergirl movie in 2020 22 or whatever it'll be uh it's gonna be still more white males writing <laughs> uh, I, I i mean maybe dc hasn't learned their lessons but you know marvel with captain um captain marvel, marvel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's written by uh, i'm pretty sure that's like directed by a woman written by women it's it's uh written directed by a uh, married couple so there's still a dude involved yeah well <laughs> we haven't fully learned our lesson yet we're getting there <laughs> i don't know where's uh where's what's her name that did um point break and her Catherine bigelow Catherine bigelow get her on it she, oh she man makes, i like Catherine bigelow a lot i would love to see her do a superhero movie yeah she <laughs> probably doesn't want to do one though she's better than that <laughs> or it'd be fucked up <laughs> it'd be fucking nuts it would have to be r-rated she don't make pg-13 movies <laughs> it would have to arms be arms getting blown off yep <laughs> some hurt locker shit psychological just people damaged yeah yeah oh god it'd be so good guys fucking take a chance and stop making these movies to sell toys <laughs> and then johnny utah's in it it's like i could have been a football player now i'm a cop <laughs> and i fucking love patrick swayze's mullet their best friend that's pretty much what johnny utah did in that movie their best friends can we watch point break now um yeah i mean we gotta figure a way to build around it but yeah let's do it <laughs> i love point break you did a good job Catherine bigelow you're awesome uh I, I, do we recommend it i i strongly recommend this one because right. i feel like you are the opposite no i don't at all <laughs> you could you don't know this film exists most likely and you could go the rest of your life it's not it doesn't have anything iconic uh, I disagree. I think it's a really cool genre mashup. I think it you still get the flavor of early Carpenter in there, even if he was taken off the project. Um, and it's it's a big movie, too. It, it feels pretty big with the New York setting and having mm-hmm. Barbara Streisand do the theme and everything like that. Oh, yeah, we hadn't mentioned that yet. She did the theme. Barbara Streisand was supposed to star in it, pulled out, um, and then John Peters is like, we got to get someone good and great in this. And then somehow Faye Dunaway. But as soon, the problem was, as soon as Faye Dunaway co- came onto this, they wanted to rewrite it all. Mm. Well, I'll take it as is because I can't stand Barbara Streisand as an actress. So <laughs> I will take it as is. I love this movie. I wholly recommend it. Wow. We did. I, I, I love Barbara Streisand. I do not. I mean, I, I haven't watched I feel like I would library. like her as, like, a person. Yeah. But I don't like her movies, and I don't like her music. Every time I see her on, like, a talk show, late-night talk show or anything like that, I was just like, I wish you were my grandma. You're awesome. <laughs> yeah, I would hang out with Barbara Streisand, but I never want to see a movie with her. <laughs> no, I, I have not seen a lot of the Barbara Streisand movies from the 70s and 80s, honestly. I didn't... 
see her probably in anything until the 90s. So you're not a Yentl fan? I've never <laughs> seen that movie. I don't even know. I don't think I've seen a trailer of that. <laughs> oh. We'll do it. We'll have a Barbara Streisand month. <laughs> I hope you have all of them because no. I don't have any. <laughs> no. No, let's not do that. I wouldn't enjoy that at all. <laughs> I'll take I'll take another uh, month of uh, Christ movies before doing that. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> Got plenty of those. Bible man. Ah, barf. <laughs> all right. Let's move on to our museum. This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. So do you. This is the part of the show where we put something in our museum. We go out like Indy to find something good to put in our museum. Or bad. We can learn from it. It can be negative. So Matt, it's your month. Well, second movie in the month. Start us off. Um, I'm going to be just fucking ridiculous and put in... Tommy Lee Jones's unibrow <laughs> in the museum because that is the definer of this movie for me. I love this movie, but that unibrow just takes it home for me. <laughs> it's it is, the it's the best unibrow I've ever seen. It is very noticeable. <laughs> uh, I just wanted him to like turn into uh, the caveman from Saturday Night Live. Mm. I'm just a caveman. I'm a detective trying to figure this out. <laughs> that's that's the part. That's that's him in this movie. <laughs> what if Phil Hartman was his partner? Oh man, as the caveman. Oh man. Now that's a movie. There's sold. Isalora Mars to the return. <laughs> sold. And they made it in like '95 or something like that. Like that's when they would have made that movie. Oh, gold would be <laughs> solid gold. Uh, I'm actually going to put a uh, body part in, too, and that is the eyes of Laura Mars. Uh, Faye Dunaway's eyes in this movie. I don't know what they did, but when she's got them wide open, she's got crazy eyes, and I couldn't take my eyes off them. I'm saying eyes a lot. I think it's the, I think it's it's probably a combination of makeup and the lighting. They like do yeah, that stark lighting where it highlights just her eyes throughout the movie, and it works. Well, I felt like every time she had her eyes wide open and my eyes were wide open, like, <laughs> I was in some type of weird trance with it. I, I don't know. It was, uh, I almost wanted to put in um, Raul Julia <laughs> because he's just, I've never seen him play a role like this. Yeah, it was fun to watch him be like a skis ball. He's usually pretty smooth. And yeah. in this movie, he's like gross. Oh, and his voice is so damn good. Yeah. So damn good. He captivates you in every scene. And he's barely in this movie. Yeah. I'd say he's like 10 minutes of yeah. runtime, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, I man, that's an impression I wish I could do. Yeah, right? He's got a great voice. Yeah. And just that, this the cadence, his little accent he has. Wonderful. It's wonderful. And it's so commanding. His voice is just, when he's in the room, he could be, you know, reading the dictionary and you'd be like, wow, fascinating. <laughs> and that's probably what got me through Street Fighter. <laughs> <laughs> uh okay do we have anything else to say on the film nope that covers it okay um damn that's a quick one so you guys are off the hook yeah uh hopefully you made your travel uh home and you don't have to listen to the last 15 minutes of this later <laughs> yeah so uh next week we're gonna come back with another noir film noir film um and this one's not a giallo film no it is but it is it is a noir for sure. It's Definitely. a thriller, but it's a noir. Thriller, noir, detective mystery, even though it's not a mystery. 
Uh, I don't even know. You you just call this a '90s thriller, honestly. Yeah. And it's uh, it's got some good act. It's this has got some really good acting in it too. I'm imp- I was this one I like. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, come back next week to find out what it is. And rate and review us, or subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, uh, Podbean, and a lot of other Pod Universe stuff. You can hear us, put us in your brain through your ear in many different ways. Yes. Please do listen to us and let us know what you think of us. We are always here to talk. Yep, you can email us at analogjonestof at gmail.com and Matt may answer you, but he's pretty busy with his horrorama right now. <laughs> yeah. Windy City Horrorama is coming to the Davis Theater in Chicago on April 26th through the 28th. Full lineup of new premieres of horror films as well as a couple of repertories that you'll be very excited to see. Guests, Q&As, and parties don't miss it. WindyCityHorrorama.com. Boom! All right, let's wrap it up. And remember to be kind. Rewind. Hey, do you guys like horror movies? I do. Do they always have to be good movies? No way. I prefer them to be crap, personally. Well, then you guys are in luck because Horror Movie Night is your expert podcast on both horror movies, good, bad, and gooey. It's just a show of three friends. Brother. Two brothers and a friend, I I think you would call. But we're also, we're all friends here. You know, we're friends. We're all friends here. We're friends. We goof around. But we... (laughs) We talk about we talk about movies, but we normally don't actually talk about movies, which is kind of weird. It's, it's a weird dynamic. You have to really listen to understand it. But we put together a show every Friday morning. You can find our show, hmnpodcast.com. Uh, we're part of the Geekscape Network. We are, you know, we're good guys. Just check us out. We're good, silly guys. We're, we're fun. Please like me. Please. <laughs> That's pretty Please. much the emphasis of everything we do is to be accepted. We want to yeah. be loved. HMMPodcast.com.